Rye Smile Films presents the Rye Watch Along. And now here are your hosts, Matt and Jesse. Welcome to the Rye Watch Along. Today we're watching Deep Blue Sea starring Saffron Burroughs, Thomas Jane, Samuel Jackson, and LL Cool J. Written by Duncan Kennedy and Donna and Wayne Powers, and directed by the Finnish maestro, five-time nominee for the Golden <laughs> Raspberry Award for Worst Director, Mr. Rennie Harlan. Have we Ooh. not talked about this guy before? I don't know, but I'm shocked that Saffron Burroughs got the marquee position number one in the cast that you just rattled off, too. She did get top billing, yeah. What the heck? Yeah, we're going to talk about it. The cast is crazy because it's almost kind of, it's a little alien-like, and like, who's the main character of this movie? It could be any of these people. like The parrot on LL Cool J's shoulder. Oh, God. His name's Bird. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> How can I forget that? <laughs> we're going to get into it. All righty. Uh, this is, uh, welcome. This is Watch Along number three. We've done Alien, Poltergeist. From 1999, we got Deep Blue Sea. I picked this one specifically because, you know, those other movies, they're, they're pretty good movies, and they're they're pretty serious for the most part. Like, I just like, let's just go with something, just some schlock. Yeah. Just some summer box office schlock that has, I guess, a cult following. Uh, but a film that I guess I kind of like, but it's not great. <laughs> no, this isn't a good film, but, you know, short of... Tentpole Sharknado, which is sort of the fashion that this movie has been built in. What What do you expect? I, was, I like shark, smart sharks. Who doesn't like that? I was gonna say, uh, apart from Jaws, I mean, there's probably the the the, the slate of shark movies is very slim to begin mm-hmm. with. You mentioned Sharknado, Shallows, and Megalodon. Oh, I forgot this. Oh yeah, the Meg. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The the Meg's very similar to this movie. They have their own Aquatica. <laughs> they do. <laughs> okay, right. uh, new bottle this week. This is the Hudson Whiskey New York Bright Lights Big Bourbon. Uh, mm-hmm. We've had this before. I want to say it was the John Wick cask. Uh, yeah. My memory bank served me. They redesigned their bottle. It's still all stout and chubby, and just a bitch to pour from, and like it just leaks all over, but. I think it's a pretty decent bourbon. So cheers to you, Matt. Can leak right down my throat. <laughs> <laughs> I smell caramel like right away. Me like too. very caramel, caramely. Smoky a little bit too. Mm-hmm. But a pretty decent, a pretty decent taste here. So excellent. Okay, everybody, cue up your drinks, cue up your snacks, get on the couch, grab your loved ones. I don't know, maybe not grab the family for this. This is an R-rated movie, but like, let's see, it's right smile after dark here. So yeah, maybe bring the kids. I don't care. Uh, but get into your movie theater atmosphere. Cue us up. You're going to want to cue yourself up to right to zero on the time. We're starting. This doesn't have any weird openings like any of the last week's entries. We're starting right at the beginning. So boom, cue it up. Uh, I'm going to go get the lights over there. So while you're getting the lights in, before you start this, I have a question for you about caramel, the flavor caramel specifically. Does it play in the summer the same way it plays in the winter? Can you handle caramel in the summer, or is that just strictly a winter flavor for you? Oh, I think it plays. I mean, you could do a dessert. I think s'mores, but you don't necessarily put caramel in your s'mores. Sundays? Yeah, yo, yeah. there you go. Caramel drizzle on your, on your Sundays. Yeah, I think it plays in the summer. I'm with you. Caramel plays all the time. Excellent, excellent. So so the sharks. Okay, Matt and I, we're, we're waiting on the pier right now. We're waiting for our ferry to come get us. We're going to go check out Aquatica along with everyone else. Uh, and we're going to be talking about Deep Blue Sea while we're, while we're waiting here. So get your movie queued up. We're mm-hmm. at zero, zero, zero. So we've made this as needlessly complicated as it ever needs to be. So <laughs> here's a practice run. We go a one, a two, a one, one two, two, three, four, four. Play. All right. That was your practice. 
Cue up, drink up. Here we go. This is for real. A one, a, a two, two, a one, two, three, four, play. All righty, here we go. Captioning made possible by Warner. Thanks, Warner Brothers. We appreciate you. <laughs> I really like these opening titles. I mean, they just kind of fade into like like the water. That's why we're starting at the very beginning because this is all you can't really change this beginning. That opening title image always reminds me of Arlington Road. Ooh, ooh. right. So the last time we've, we talked about that movie, never. <laughs> and what happened to Village Roadshow? They used to Good like point. produce every movie. Are they like even around anymore? Uh, Did they get purchased by MRC? I have a feel like somewhere in my mind, I have a recollection of them being maybe absorbed by MRC. That'd be interesting. Like, do you remember Dark Castle? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what, what happened to them? I mean, all these Warner Brothers stalwarts are just like gone now. I brought Dark Castle out to the screenwriting conference twice. Yeah. Yeah. I remember them. Wow. They had just done a, they had just done a Orphan. That's right. Do you remember Orphan where the girl was like old? 55 year old girl <laughs> posing as a. Nine-year-old? I took a date to see that movie. <laughs> First and last, I bet. <laughs> uh, is that Vera Farmiga in that? Is she the mom, right? Yes. Oh, man. All right. This isn't the orphan watch-along. This is the Deep Blue Sea watch-along. And this is just hilarious to me because this cold open's like a slasher cold open. Mm-hmm. And well it's said. and it's like rich boy yacht makeout party. <laughs> hey, I want to go make out my dad's yacht, man. <laughs> I don't know if you could do this with your friends, but I don't know if I could like double date with like a couple and we're just, we're making out over here and then like they're making out over there. I was like, it's just like, it's like, we need some space, man. You're so provincial. <laughs> <laughs> but I love this. Oh, this is so circa 1999. It's so Nantucket. Uh-oh, we spilled the wine and it's red. That's called foreshadowing. Where's war? <laughs> <laughs> Very clever. Okay, hang on. So this is insane because these super, super genius uh, sharks, (laughs) super genius sharks, they sense the red wine. You think they'd be able to tell a Merlot from human blood? (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) So they instantly come and just devour dad's yacht over here. It's a great sequence, though. If you're going to go, at least go for a cab, not a Merlot. (laughs) It's not even a pure blend. Okay, Matt, we've never talked about this before because this is a whiskey podcast, but you're going wine. What are you going with? Uh, what I just said. Cab? Like cab, oh. or I'll do a, like a red zin, deep, okay. deep red zin. Okay. How about you? Oh, Merlot, yeah, all the way. I like a dry, like just a dry red wine. All right. Yeah. If it's too sweet, oh, the, the wine hangover is the worst. The hangover. worst. <laughs> the worst. All those sugars, pink you pay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is just like... <clears throat> oh. Okay, this is one one good thing the film has going for it. This animatronic shark mm-hmm. looks great. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to come up. Well, there's multiple sharks uh, through, throughout the throughout the movie, but he's uh, he looks good, and I don't think they're great whites. They're like I think mako sharks or or something. I, I'll I'll have to look that up here in a little bit, but. So I'm sure we're going to take plenty of stabs at Rennie Harlan as we go through this, but I have to tell you the imagery in this opening scene yeah. with the moon dancing off the water and the sharks fin through it. That doesn't entirely suck. Like no, this no. movie might in that sort of, this is not a film. This is a movie kind of way. Yeah. But none of this is short on the entertainment front. This is all pretty good stuff here. Oh, and there's my guy, Thomas Jane. I can't wait to talk about this. Guy. Yeah. We're going to talk about him. He comes in to save the day on his yacht at the 11th hour with his, uh, with his harpoon gun here. We're going to talk a lot about how this film kind of rips off Jurassic Park. 
he's totally the Muldoon character from, mm -hmm. you know, the guy with the thunder thighs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's like the game warden of Aquatica. Mm-hmm. And Matt, oh gosh, this this is one of the reasons I picked Deep Blue Sea was to specifically just talk about what's about to happen here. There's a cameo coming up that is so crazy because the guy's not going to say a word of dialogue, and he's a pretty well-renowned actor, and we've talked about him twice on this podcast before, so here he's coming. All right, so Saffron Burroughs meets your entertainment audience for yeah. the first time. The Aquatica uh, suits here. Sam Jackson and it looks like a police commissioner. Almost, almost. We need a close up. They're not allowing him to speak for some stupid reason. Samuel Jackson is speaking for this man that can obviously talk for himself. This man is so powerful. He has an acolyte. That's what you're supposed to take away from this. <laughs> he doesn't even need a voice. Mr. Franklin. All right. So like for the, the listeners on home, they're like, who is this guy that they're talking about here? This is Mr. Robocop, Mr. Ronnie Cox from Mr. Dick Jones and Velos Cohagen, yep. who's reduced to non-speaking in this movie. <laughs> well, this movie's on a budget. <laughs> and if they gave him a speaking line that changes the sag wages, so they had to keep this under the line, Jesse. I almost feel like he did have dialogue and they just maybe cut around it, but then that makes his purpose there just seem so ridiculous. And then part of me, because she's going on about Alzheimer's and how they're researching the sharks to find a cure for Alzheimer's, and I was like, well, does this man not talking because he has Alzheimer's? I was like, no, I would just CEO of a company just be like Alzheimer's. <laughs> that is weird. That's I a, never noticed that. Uh, that's, that's really that's He a, didn't have a single... Hello, would you like some coffee? Fuck off, nothing. I'm just here to sit here. Wow. And it's Ronnie Cox. I mean, like, 80s bad guy. Bad guy. If you wanted, like, a good CEO bad guy, I mean, you cast the right person. What's his name in Witness? Do you uh, no, oh, I should, That's unfair to ask you that. But that same role in that film, Absol too. Absolutely. So here our plot's going to start churning along. Uh, real simple plot. Okay, so they're, they're uh, experimenting with these sharks... Uh, with their brains to come up with some types of cure for disease. All these animal movies always start out that way. Like we're going to experiment on these animals to come up with a cure for cancer. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Uh, but because they had that little tiff at the beginning with, uh, with, the uh, with the yacht, the co main company is like, well, we're pulling the fun. This is so Jurassic park. I mean, so Jurassic Mr. Park. Hammond, we're sending in the lawyer because like there, this guy got attacked by a raptor in the opening scene. Mm -hmm. So Samuel Jackson's the lawyer who's got to go observe what the hell's going on here. And if he doesn't like what he sees, he's pulling the funding on Aquatica over here, which obviously costs maybe a billion dollars. It's probably why Ronnie Cox had no language because her dialogue, they had to pay for that. And Aquatica is expensive. Mm-hmm. You got to think about this, that structure right there. I'm sure you looked up budget on this. What'd they make this for? 80 million? That's it. Mm -hmm. A movie that's as heavily influenced or as heavy with the water imagery as this is usually takes that, and I would have thought doubled it. But uh, maybe they did save some money on the cast. All kidding aside, for real. You see, the shark itself looks looks pretty decent. It's a mean-looking shark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they casting wise, they kind of they kind of went around the bush and decided to cast you know character actors, but like not like well renowned. I mean, like prior to this, Thomas Jane was in Boogie Nights, which we we covered recently. Punisher, maybe. Uh, this is pre Punisher. Is it really? I'm glad you brought Punisher up because um, 
Do you kind of feel like that was Thomas Jane's chance to like really kind of make it? Okay, so I was going to hit you with the same question. Okay, let's do it. The now. answer to that is yes. Okay. And here's what I want to ask. Is Thomas Jane a victim of terrible decisions from his agent, or is he in fact just a terrible actor? Mm. He's not a bad actor. I don't think he is either. I don't know. Maybe it's just timing, because I don't know if I could. your agent gets you Frank Castle, the Punisher. That's a good get. I mean, that movie's not amazing, but he does his best to make it decent. Okay, so I'm going to echo and piggyback on that. One of the best shows that got no run of all time is Hung. Mm -hmm. He's fantastic in that. That's a great show. Mm -hmm. But Thomas Jane is yesterday's news, man, gone. Yeah. And I feel like part of that's timing. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. he just kind of missed his window. Okay. So to and then I follow up with that, mm -hmm. bigger miss on a career. Okay. Guy Pierce or Thomas Jane? Oh, man. Who did you think had more stardom written on them that never quite got there? Oh, probably Guy Pierce. By a lot or just by a little bit? Oh, maybe by a lot. I, okay. I, do you did you ever see Guy Pierce's uh the Time Machine movie that oh, he made? <laughs> Cuz that's what I was going to just counter with. Did the Time Machine do for him what the Punisher did for Thomas Jane? Probably. I mean, those seem like action vehicles that just did not stick their landings, but I you bet your ass I saw those in the theaters when they came out. Mhm. Mm Look at this. We, he is so good that he can handle a shark with just a pair of gloves on and a pair of trunks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't need anything else. Yeah, so he's like, he's game warden of Aquatica. He knows the animals. He kind of knows their kind of mannerisms. He knows, like, how to hunt them. Is this a Jaws reference, Matt? Mm -hmm. With the license plate? You didn't mm -hmm. need a, he didn't need a car, did he? Oh, my God. I would, oh. A Louisiana plate? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to go back and watch Jaws. Is that the same I, I, license I'm plate? I'm going to see. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. I had always heard rumored, and we'll get into the writing because you have a kind of a weird, interesting into the writing couple, the Powers couple, right? Yeah. I had always heard rumors, and I don't, I don't have anything to prove. Maybe in the initial draft because I know what they took over was this guy's draft, and then essentially what they wrote is this movie. Mm. Like that guy's initial idea is not this movie, <laughs> but that it started out as a Jaws sequel, like a really? post Jaws revenge kind of idea. Hmm. Rye audience, wait till we do Jaws 3D. I'm kidding. Maybe not. I don't know. That's. <laughs> Let's talk about some schlock and summer blockbuster hall of shame. shame. Ooh, get some Lewis Gossett Jr. up in here. 